Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. You know, that's a, that's a good jam right there, Jeff. I feel like I'm in a speakeasy with a, a cool hat on, kicked back. But I'm here. I'm in the studio, 98.9 FM, The Answer in Columbus, 94.5 FM in Dayton. I'm grateful to be here. I'm super excited that you are tuned in, and I want to talk to you about State Representative Ron Ferguson. He's a GOP lawmaker from Wintersville. Now, he's an avid supporter of Derek Marin and his speakership which never transpired due to a partnership with 22 Republicans and 32 Democrats. And uh, Mr. Ferguson has been vocal about his opposition to certain actions of the current House leadership. But Representative Ferguson is here to talk with us about the biggest story in Ohio this year, the fact that the House picked up the resolution, passed last month by the Senate, and Speaker Jason Stevens put the matter before members for debate and vote yesterday, and it passed. Representative Ferguson, welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you? Hey, I'm super fantastic. Thank you for carving time out of your day to be here with us. We really appreciate it. To kick things off, I think you're now father as of around February. Uh, first, congratulations. It's awesome. Uh, how, how's fatherhood treating you? Thank you. Uh, no, it's great. I... Uh have the little one sitting here right by me. So Eloise was born February 23rd and uh, blessed anytime you have a healthy baby. So very happy we have her, have her in the family. You said her name is Eloise? Yes, correct. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful name. I have a 10-year-old daughter. Her name is Eva Grace. And I'm just going to warn you, Representative Ferguson, uh, the, the girls can sometimes wrap Papa right around their finger. So just just a heads up on that. <laughs> I'm living that already. And, you know, everything everything that we do in Columbus is, uh, at least for me, it, it comes with her in mind. And, uh, you know, what we did yesterday certainly is something that's going to outlive me and uh, live on through her life and hopefully protect Ohio's constitution for her. You and I talked in January about what's been deemed the Speaker Steel of 23, orchestrated by the, the coup of 22, or I think as you call them, Blue 22. Uh, you and many Republicans in the House alleged that Speaker Stevens uh, sold his soul, essentially, to lobbyists and Democrats, giving away abortion and universal school choice, among other things, to get the speakership. But lo and behold, Stevens storms back and gets SJR2 passed yesterday. Does this nix the idea that there was a deal? H- how do you view it? No, not at all. You know, um, I noticed you used the word allege. I'll, I'll just tell you how I arrive at this out, these allegations. That's what multiple Democrats have directly told me. I said, why? You know, I've asked them. I said, why did you ultimately support Speaker Stevens? They said, well, 
He promised he wasn't going to move HJR1, which turned out to be SJR2. He wasn't going to do the school choice. And, I mean, it's really the only thing that adds up. So when you're hearing it directly from the horse's mouth and it's the only thing that adds up, I think there's a lot of credibility to it. Interesting. So do you think um, – well, well, let's dive into that a little bit then. So you, you still think there was a deal. Um, how did you How did you move off the dime then? What happened? Well, you know, we have so many courageous leaders. You talked about how firm of a supporter of Derek Marin I, I am, and I absolutely am. I know you have Brian Stewart on. Let me tell you, it, it, you know, what makes Derek a leader isn't even just that we support Derek. It's that Derek supports us, and he didn't. Uh, Ron, we're we're losing you. Are you still with us? I, the, oh, um, yeah. I think so, I think he hit a yeah, bad spot. I, okay, I'm sorry about that. No, so, no what, what I'm saying is when Derek when Derek took his his loss, he could have just packed up and went home. He didn't do that. He poured himself back into Brian Stewart. He said, Brian, if I were the speaker, you know that HJR one was going to be my number one priority. I'm not, but what can I do to help you? And he helped Brian Stewart every step of the way. Brian Stewart's a courageous leader. Derek Marin's a courageous leader. And I certainly have done all that I can. It was a team effort. We had to really push this boulder up the hill. One of the things that we've heard uh, in the wake of yesterday is, hey, 50% plus one, that's a majority. And if 50% plus one want to amend, why not let them? How would you Uh, respond to that? yeah, so number one, 50% plus one is what this amendment will take in August. But a point that I made, I was on the Constitutional Resolutions Committee, as was Brian, as was Derek. You know, the three of us worked hard to get this out of committee, along with uh, Representative Phil Plummer, the chairman. And what I made a point of in, in committee was every amendment that has ever gone in to the Ohio Constitution has actually passed with a minority of registered voters. So, yeah, it's a majority of that one given subset of people that turn out to the election. However, we have such low voter turnout in any election, including a presidential election, and then only a fraction of those people actually vote for it. We've never had a majority support a constitutional amendment. This is nothing new. This is just making sure that in any given election, some odd-year election, where voter turnout might be low, we don't have outside special interests pushing their left-wing, uh, left-wing ideals on us. And, you know, to be fair, Brian Stewart makes the point that even conservatives are going to have times when, hey, we want to amend the Constitution, but guess what? That bar is 60%. Well said. And uh, Brian Stewart just said, look at the U.S. Constitution, where it takes two-thirds to to pass Congress, and then 75% of the states have to ratify uh, before it becomes an amendment. So 60% seems to be uh, even a little low by that measure. And I understand the argument between, hey, the federal constitution and the state constitution. Those are two different things. And, you know, the other argument about there being low voter turnout, um, am I correct or incorrect in assuming uh, this is going to be a big deal, and there are going to be a lot of people at the polls in August. I think you're going to see quite a few people get out there, a lot more people than what estimates claim, and there is going to be a lot of money spent on this on both sides, both to vote yes for it and to vote no for it, um, because 
it's really a, this is a long-term play. This is how many times are we going to let special interests try and, and change our constitution for their own uh, means rather than the means of the people of Ohio. So this is big. This is the big battle here. You know, this is bigger than the, the constitutional amendment that it could cut off, but I want to use that as the backdrop. Do you think that a majority of Ohioans would support an amendment that is extremely broad in its legal language that could allow abortion up to birth for multiple reasons, any reason maybe, and that could create a loophole that would allow uh, kids to be transitioned without parental support? Do you think that, you think that Ohioans support that? No, absolutely not. Um, obviously, the constitutional amendment we voted on yesterday is just to protect the Constitution, but we know that there could be abortion on demand amendment coming in November. That's its own issue. But I will say in that uh, sense, the, um, you know, the people that are pro-abortion love to tell you that the majority of Americans are pro-abortion. That is absolutely false. Um, a lot of Americans believe in exceptions or they believe early on before a heartbeat. So they believe in varying levels of when you can get an abortion, but there is absolutely no majority in this country that believes that we should be having third trimester abortions at will for no other reason than you just want to, you know, terminate a baby. I mean, that's disgusting to even hear that or to think about that. And it's just not realistic. So about 30 seconds here, maybe 20 in your gut, does SJR2, does it pass and why or why not? It's going to pass because here in the state of Ohio, we've gone significantly red. And this is something where people that love America, we love our constitutional republic. We like to protect our safeguards. I mean, that's what we're going to do here. We're going to stand up for our constitution. It's what's best for everybody. He is State Representative Ron Ferguson. He's a GOP lawmaker from Wintersville. Uh, He's a champion of faith family and the constitution and uh ron we're grateful that you were here with us today thank you for joining us on the bruce woolley show thanks so much uh go vote in november yes in november all right 98.9 fm the answer columbus 94.5 fm dayton we'll be back after the break Welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor, filling in for Bruce. That over there, behind the glass, that's Jeff Murtall, producer, doing a super fantastic job. And uh, we've had a lot of fun so far, and we're going to have a lot of fun again right now. Education, elections, the economy, and the environment. Those are all matters with which we should concern ourselves And frankly, we should be leading the conversation, crafting the talking points and and the dialogue. I remember uh, it was, gosh, circa 1995, fall, Berea, Ohio, Baldwin-Wallace College. I was enrolled in a course called Scarcity or Abundance. And we wrestled with the political, the economic, and the environmental impact of government regulation and how people and businesses use our natural resources to profit or benefit themselves. And it was really an interesting concept and an interesting course. And at the heart of it really was exactly the title. Do you believe that we live 
among scarcity or do you believe that we live with abundance? And how you view those things or whichever of those is your reality, how you think and how you feel, that drives your behavior, whether you support a policy or don't support a policy, maybe who you vote for. And frankly, maybe if you're terrified that the existential threat to our generation and our world forever is the environment right now. But let's talk about that from a different perspective. I'm going to bring in Zach Taylor from American Recyclable Plastic Bag Alliance, ARPBA. And we'll unpack the ins and outs of plastic bag bans and taxes and whether they're a good thing for the environment, consumers, and businesses. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not the expert. But that's why we're going to bring in Zach. Zach Taylor, welcome to the Bruce Willis Show. How are you? Good morning, Jack. How are you? I'm super fantastic. I'm a little intimidated. I can't wait to talk to you about this. This is not my wheelhouse, <laughs> but I know it's yours. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. man. So, what can, I, what can I help you with? Well, first of all, just tell our listeners, uh, what is the American Recyclable Plastic Bag Alliance? So we represent the U.S. manufacturers and recyclers. And I say that delivery because manufacturers are the recyclers of plastic bags here in the United States. Um, employ 30,000 Americans across the country, making a product that consumers rely on every day. Um, it's accessible, it's affordable, it's recyclable, and it's made right here. Um, we're proud of that fact. We're doing more and more uh, each day to increase the amount of recycled content in the products that our members manufacture uh, and doing what we can to educate consumers on how best to use the product that they like uh, and they want in, in a way that's sustainable. Um, but what does not help and does not deliver results and does not advance the interests of sustainability are local bag bans um, mm-hmm. and taxes uh, that increase people's grocery costs at a time when we're paying $4, $5 for a dozen eggs. Um, these local policies, they come from a place of people who, who want to do the right thing, but they fly in the face of the research. That's interesting. That's actually what I was going to ask. You know, um, it's interesting. It's recyclable, right? A lot of the times we hear plastic and we think, oh, and, you know, when I grew up, we, we saw the, the horrific video of the, the duck that had the um, six-pack, plastic six-pack thing strung around its neck and, you know, it, it, the horrific implications of that. And it seems like plastic has gotten a bad rap, um, pun intended. Um, but the bag bans in other cities and states they're not working out for consumers and small businesses. Um, has has the Ohio State Legislature weighed in on this reality, and is there anything brewing in the state house? It's a great question. So, so they took a look at at the facts. They took a look at what has happened in other states, um, Massachusetts, um, very blue state, but a great example. They have more than 155 different local bag regulations. Um, there are places around the city of Boston where on one side of the street a business can offer uh, offer you a straw. On the other side, they can't. They can offer you a plastic bag. On the other side of the street, they can't. Um, and, and what we've seen from small businesses is that complying with these laws is hugely burdensome, very expensive. Um, in, in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which I know is a mouthful, uh, one retailer said it would cost them a quarter of a million dollars to switch. Who, who do they think is going to be paying those costs? It's, it's consumers. Consumers. They're going to pass the cost along. Um, yep. And to preserve a level playing field, so you know a small retailer can compete with a larger retailer. A you know restaurant with a couple locations can compete with one with hundreds. 
um, the state legislature passed a law that said localities do not have the authority, do not have the right to establish taxes or fees um, uh, on these products. And they also passed another law that is in a separate part of statute that says can, you know, persons, which includes businesses, that's what the attorney general has said, can use auxiliary containers, which means bags, cups, straws, bottles, whatever, um, for purposes of commerce or otherwise. So the idea is not, oh, this bag is better than that. It's let's trust these businesses who have been doing this for years, who work directly with the consumers, who are responding to their needs, have the flexibility and the freedom and the choice to offer whatever product they think is best. Um, in terms of cost, in terms of performance, in terms of reliability. Um, and ultimately, Jack, what the data shows is that when it comes to which bag is the best option for most consumers, for all consumers, um, it, it's the plastic retail bag. It's the carry-out bag that people have used for years. Um, as long as it's disposed of properly, that's the one with the least environmental impacts. Paper, reusable, but by the way, the reusable bags are all made from plastic as well but they require so many more reuses to offset their larger environmental impacts. And when we talk about scarcity or abundance, one of the best things consumers can do is go to the grocery store <clears throat> and ask for plastic and then either bring it back to the store to recycle it or reuse it at home and make sure you don't litter it. But, but that's, that's what the data shows. That's really interesting and, and very educational. And I just want to um, double check. You said localities do not have the authority to establish taxes or fees on products um, and, and can use auxiliary containers for purposes of commerce or otherwise. Is, were you speaking about the state of Ohio? Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, that is. But there's, there's a few localities right now out there that have, have convinced themselves they have a workaround. Um, but that's not what the law says. The, the law is very clear. Um, no taxes, no fees, no bans. And businesses should feel confident and, and clear that they can go ahead and use whatever products they wish. I'd hate to be presumptuous, and I might, uh, I might look silly here, but my guess would be those, those big cities that start with the letter C. Are those, are those some of the <laughs> culprits that you're talking about where they think they have, where they've convinced themselves that they have a workaround? Um, that's, that's what we're hearing and that's what we're seeing, but it is interesting, Jack, that you mentioned one of the large counties that begins with a C, um, has not provided the retailers that are in their, their jurisdiction who have, who allegedly have to comply with their ordinance, any information about how to do so. Um, instead they're taking hardworking Ohioans tax dollars, um, and trying to, um, encourage, or I would say bribe. Uh, retailers to switch to products that are more expensive and less sustainable um, instead of telling them how to comply with their law, their ordinance that is actually illegal. They're saying, oh, we'll, we'll offer you a couple thousand dollars to switch. <laughs> 